Hello and welcome to the Total Mental Performance Podcast, the one and only mindset podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs and coaches master their mindset, giving you insider access to industry leaders around their psychology, their campfire stories, and the mindset required to be successful in this business. I'm your host, Kieran O'Neill, mental performance coach and founder of Total Mental Performance, the world's fastest growing specialist mindset service dedicated to the fitness industry. So without further ado, let's lean in and listen. Yes, yes, team, and welcome to another episode of the TMP podcast. Today, we have my good friend, Lee Hand. Lee is the founder of the Lean Into Life coaching program. He's also one of the success coaches at AN, which is one of the the biggest fitness business masterminds in the world. And uh, he's a really, really lovely bloke. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but when I first met him, I wasn't his biggest fan. And I told him this, what was that, about six months ago? We knew each other about, I'd say, 18 months and you dropped that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and the reason being is Lee's a very confident guy and the way that he communicates, the way that he carries himself, he's a very, very strong character as you, as you get to know him. But he was very intense and we seem to catch up, well, a lot more recently now, but before we seem to catch up every two or three months and every single two or three months, we wouldn't chat. We'd have this big conversation for about two hours and then we'd catch up next quarter. And over that time, I've seen him just really his confidence is built in the opposite way he's not louder he's more calm he's more in control and actually our friendship has really blossomed and, and grown from there uh lee hand welcome to the total mental performance podcast kieran thank you so much for having me today i'm really really excited to be here that's a lot to live up to so hopefully i do this episode justice today so think about when we first got here we met what two years ago now i literally had only just moved to, to dubai I moved here january 2021 decided to buy a one-way ticket the start of December, closed down my PT business, go fully online, never lived anywhere abroad, lived at home with my family the whole time. And I was like, why not go to Dubai? Because it was during COVID time and there was no restrictions. Mm. So I was like, let's go there for a bit. Packed the suitcase, jumped on a plane. And I didn't know anyone here apart from our mutual friend, Louis. Mr. Louis Calvert. <laughs> Mr. Louis Calvert, shout out to him. And I was speaking to him on Instagram and I met up with him and I got here about two weeks and then we were out one evening and then you came down and I must have only been in Dubai probably for about, I'd say five weeks, if mm. even. It was probably around February time, actually before that, because we went away for my birthday, yeah. remember? Yeah, 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 and did, I, yeah. And I remember because like, it was somewhat of a clash of heads, mm. like, but it was interesting. Was, and I, I feel like our relationship at the start didn't blossom, but maybe based upon, I wouldn't say conflict, but the clash of heads at the start, and for whatever reasons, every time we meet up every couple of months, we'd have very, very deep conversations where we would analyze things and we would go back and forth. And I've said to you many times, I always get so much growth from those conversations. And here we are now, two years later. Yeah. <laughs> Very mate. good friends. Time flies. I think it's probably a mixture of things. We were both new to Dubai. Mm. We're two quite strong characters. So you get two strong characters that are both not quite settled because we're still in a different environment. It's like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And there's always that, always that. And then we always had Louis in the middle. <laughs> good old Louis. But, you know, seeing you come here with a one-way ticket and just build what you've built, it's impressive, mate. It's impressive. I appreciate that. And like my whole ethos for life and, you know, we'll get into everyone else on this session, especially when it comes to the Lean and Life program, it's this is just the representation of who I am. Mm. And I am all about embracing uncertainty, rolling the dice. And I know you would agree with me. How many times can we reflect on things that maybe we once perceived didn't have the confidence or bravery to attack or move forward on because maybe we perceived something catastrophic was going to happen? Mm. How many times have those catastrophes actually happened? I can't count on even one mm. hand. And I think that's what builds up a lot of confidence for individuals is when they have the willingness and the bravery and the confidence and fear. Yeah. Because when individuals say, I'm not afraid of anything, that's untrue. 
because bravery is literally the ability to move forward without having fear cripple you. Fear is still there. But having that confidence to move forward and almost build up new evidence in your own self and your own hard wire that, well, I am capable of so much more than I actually ever perceived. And imagine I didn't take action on that thing previously where I was so afraid of because I thought it was going to be a, cat- a catastrophe, but it actually turned into one of my biggest successes. And if I reflect on my life over the last couple of years, it's literally been path of least resistance or most resistance. Easy left or the hard right. And always choosing that latter option has always led to huge changes in the trajectory of my life. And when you say it like that, you almost say, well, that makes life and success in your growth sound somewhat very achievable and somewhat easy because it's like you're saying just to take the right over the left. It's almost like a domino effect. Like when you're leaning into those this, the uncomfortable situations, when you're embracing uncertainty and you're moving forward and you're achieving championship in those areas, I look back now and I say, wow, imagine I didn't have the bravery or the confidence to just take a chance. So what you're getting here is a snippet of the type of conversations we'd have every two or three months. And we'd usually meet at a social event, maybe a dinner or a brunch or whatever. And everybody's all like off their faces. And then us two sat in the corner going deep, deep on these topics. And it was great fun. And I think for me, the turning point where I really felt like I could connect with you a lot more is when I came and delivered a masterclass for your guys. This is before the Lean Into Life program. Yes. This was, I can't remember what the program was called back then. That was Active Health and we were only coaching um, females. And that was... June, mm. July, 2021. That's it. And I felt that was the first moment I felt, yeah, you know what? I, I can really connect this guy. I don't know if you remember, mm. but I put up a, um, a slide up on the screen and it said, look at these various different limiting beliefs or feelings or emotions, which one stands out to you the most. And in that moment, everybody was scared to go first and you lent in and you wrote insecurity. And it was in that moment I went, you know what? Fair play. I can connect with this guy now. Mm. Cause before you had the confidence nailed, but there was a lack of vulnerability. There was just this hard, solid, I am leak fucking hand and I am here and I am in the room, but that there wasn't, there wasn't that, that softer side, that side wasn't able to come out. So when you, when that happened, that for me, I was like, okay, I can connect with Lee a little bit more. And then from there, that's where the conversations got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. Because in my view, it's easy to portray confidence. It's easy to sort of stand up with your shoulders back, chest out, speaking very loud, very strong, very, very confident but to show your vulnerable side. Mm. And as you've been getting in touch with your vulnerable side the last few months, it's really, really powerful to see. And when we talk about evidence of stepping into a hard right, that was you stepping into a hard right. And then as you've been working on that, that's been really building. I really appreciate that. And I'm a firm believer that vulnerability is one of the greatest forms of leadership. And at moments in time in the past, specifically when we met, I just moved country, took my business fully online. I know now through doing all the deeper work, through therapy and so on and so forth and really, really getting to know myself and create a much greater level of self-awareness, emotional intelligence, that that was a protective mechanism mm. because I was afraid of being judged or other people's opinions. I maybe had the perception or the narrative of the story that I was telling myself that if I didn't portray myself in this manner, then you were going to fail. Where was that born? From very, very early days, childhood, through mm. relationships with people close to me, from very, very young ages where I had this perception and narrative that in order to survive, you had to be strong. You had to be confident. Probably one of the reasons why I actually got into training in the first place as well. I mean, getting to that because I started training with boxing. I know mm. you have a good history of boxing as well. But it stemmed from a, a very, very young age. And when I truly started to feel a great, great level of confidence, it actually came from getting to know myself to a much greater degree. Because therefore, if I know myself, 
at a really, really high level. I've got great self-love, acceptance and compassion for myself. I no longer worry about other people's opinions because I'm full trusting in my own capabilities and I know who I am. Whereas when you haven't done that work, you can operate almost out of a place of like false identity. And it's like dark energy. Mm. And that's been a great thing because dark energy resulted in me moving to Dubai, achieving things over the years. But now it's having the humility and the awareness to be able to switch to that more lighter energy where you're willing to be vulnerable, where you're willing to be open, where you're willing to embrace things that may go wrong and not worried about being judged or criticized or accepted by the individuals. And I think that truly is a, is a superpower. And it's why I truly value mental mastery in my own life. I truly value mental mastery with my clients in the Lean Life coaching program. And the whole ethos in that program is literally maximizing every shred of potential out of en- every individual through supporting their growth, through physical and mental mastery while facilitating world-class standards and not leaving life to chance. And if I could describe my life in two to three sentences, that would literally be it. And think about, you use the word strong, I had to be strong, but I think strong as a word gets a bad rap. Strong as a word is like, I cannot express weakness. Strong is, I cannot express emotion. I have to bury that down. Strong is that. But actually, in my view, strength is being able to show the parts of yourself to the world that you don't want the world to see and going, Mm. well, I'm still enough and I'm still worthy and I'm still going to do what I want to do. And you can take that or you can leave that. And that's okay. Mm. And I wasn't really around a lot of emotion or vulnerability when I was growing up through Mm. my early years and my teenage years. And specifically when you're in a boxing gym, And the main agenda and the tactic and the goal is to not get punched in the face and punch someone else in the face and and knock them out. Yeah, don't show weakness. Be strong. Don't back down. Don't show vulnerability. Don't show emotions. So being in those environments didn't promote that. But again, operating at that place of those younger insecurities and operating from that dark energy of, I suppose, not feeling like I'm good enough and having to prove a point. It's been truly powerful and empowering. But I think what holds a lot of people back from going to that next stage of growth is not having the awareness of doing the deeper work in themselves. And then therefore that dark energy becomes their biggest bottleneck. Default. Default, 100%. When you operate out of dark energy, you will burn yourself to the ground. You'll often burn your relationships around you. And, and like, you, you can't get around it. It's not all love and light. It's not all, you can't, you will always have dark energy mm. and you can process that in the right way. I had a lot of dark energy as a kid. I put that into boxing. My, my first ever coach, Louis' uncle actually, Martin Calvert, held up a pair of pads and goes, hit those, son. Bomb. And that, and that allowed me to channel a lot of frustration and fear and self-doubt and insecurity. And, and that changed the game. Interestingly, in boxing, you're taught to disassociate from pain on a physical and mental level. You're mm. taught whatever you get hit with, don't show anything. Don't show any responses. But I was very lucky to have a, a great coach, Martin, and he, he provided two things. He, of course, on a technical level, how to jab, how to move, your footwork, your fitness, all of that stuff. But that, that stuff's the stand. That's like mm. in the online coaching world, that's like knowing your nutrition and knowing your programming. <laughs> do you know what I mean? The stuff that he really taught me was two things. And one is encourage me. The word encouragement makes me emotional. When I hear that word, it gets me because he was the first person. My parents are very supporting, but it never landed for me for some reason from my parents. But from him, to hear him encourage me and say, you can do incredible things. You just need to focus and try. That for me was like the catalyst towards change. And then second thing he taught me was emotion. I remember I said to him, Martin, I don't think I'm ready for this. And he goes, guess what? If you spend your whole life waiting until you think you're ready, you'll never be ready. And that, that just 
I, I internalized that lesson and I've used it every single time in every single arena. As soon as I think, I don't know if I can do this, that is when I push. And then the second thing I told him was, I'm scared. And he said, you're always going to be scared. This isn't going to go away. You're going to experience this fear again and again and again. Your job right now is to train yourself to work with that fear and use it. And so for me, boxing, it's, a, it's like a catch-22. It teaches you, don't show weakness. Don't be vulnerable. Show strength and power and disassociate from pain physically, mentally, emotionally. But at the same time, here's how you harness those emotions. And here's how you do that. Not every boxing coach coaches in that way. But mm. for me, that was really what he taught me. And since then, my relationship with fear is just, it's, it's just another emotion. It's just like somebody, it's, imagine the emotional spectrum. You're sat in a room and then you've got fear and sadness and anger and happiness and productivity and joy and flow. They're all around there. And fear is just another bloke in the room that I've got to navigate. And when you understand, actually, fear is not a bad guy. He gets a bit of a bad rap. He's actually a pretty useful dude. And you build your relationship with him, then it can become really powerful. Mm, that's very interesting because your approach to fear around embracing it and someone telling you that it's always going to be there was the complete opposite of why I actually got into boxing in the first place. Mm. So I got into boxing out of being afraid, mm. having fear. And my perception was, well, if I learn to defend myself and I do something as tenacious and vigorous as boxing, and fighting in a ring, well then I won't be afraid anymore. And what I soon realized is initially I thought I needed to achieve physical mastery to be able to protect myself from the world or certain situations. Well, I didn't know at the time, yes, that is important, but what I actually needed was achieving pure mental mastery because then therefore I would allow fear just be, and I wouldn't let it be something that would just completely cripple me and hold me back from taking action on things or living a life that I truly, truly want. So when I initially got into boxing, it was literally a protective mechanism. And I'll never, ever forget, even to this day, walking into the boxing gym three weeks before I turned 17 years old. I turned 31 last month. So the good, so what, 15, six, 15 years ago. And I begged my dad to take me to the boxing gym. And this went on for about a year. And then I kept saying, do you know what? I don't want to do it yet because I, I, br I have braces. Mm. <laughs> and then I can't fight in the ring if I've got braces and I mm. only want to fight in the ring. I was just saying that because I was prolonging it. So the day came, got the braces off, a couple of weeks passed, and I begged my dad to take me down to the gym. It was three weeks before my 17th birthday. I remember because on my 17th birthday, I got to spar for the first time. Got to put the letter on, got mm. to get in the ring and have someone watch, okay, this is actually something that we want you to do now. We're obviously outside. It's obviously mm. thrown upon if you're getting in scraps or whatever. And I'll never forget walking through the playground. It was like a, a football changing room. That's what the boxing gym mm. was basically like. It was tiny, had a ring in it, lots of bags. And we got out of the car and we walked through the first gate and we're walking through the playground. And my dad is gradually getting further and further and further away from me and closer and closer to the gym. But when we initially walked into that playground, we were walking at the exact same pace. And it felt like, was it wind or quicksand? My body was literally, this was a physical feeling. I felt like I was slowing down so much. And there was this huge force in front of me that did not want me to enter that boxing gym. The fears of you're not going to fit in. You know, you're not tough enough. You're going to look like an idiot. You're going to get your, your ass beat. And I just kept moving forward. I just kept moving one foot in front of the other. And I went into that gym and every single concern, worry and fear I had did not exist. I left that gym so invigorated and excited. So what I once perceived as this is fear right now, a catastrophe is going to happen. 
you can't step foot in that gym because you need to protect yourself. I moved anyway. I attacked, I took action, I stepped forward. And then the aftermath of leaving that boxing gym was excitement, was encouragement, was confidence. And I'll never forget, that was the first ever moment in my life where I had that level of magnitude of fear and wanting to retreat and avoid. And don't get me wrong, in other situations up until that moment, I did retreat and avoid in certain situations growing up. But I've always been such an obsessive deep thinker. I would overanalyze every single situation for days and weeks. Why did that happen? Why did you react in that way? If you're put in that situation again, why wouldn't you do things differently? And I would be put in those situations time and time again, but I would freeze. I would retreat. I would avoid. But I didn't let that happen that time. And that built up so much confidence and started to rewire my hardwire system. And I started to actually embrace fear, embrace uncertainty. And I always reflect on that, even to this day, when I've got big decisions or moving to Dubai on a one-way ticket or whatever it is, I'm like, but you were totally safe 15 years ago. And if I know hand on heart, if I didn't step foot into that gym, I don't think we would be here right now. That was a huge catalyst and change the trajectory of my entire life that resulted in me getting very, very in tune with just discipline and graft and, and just really, really dog work when it comes mm. to training. Because you know yourself, there's nothing compared to actual boxing training itself. Like it is vigorous. It will, it will take it out of you. Nobody owes you anything in that ring. You come tired, <laughs> you're getting your ass fucked if you're not on your A game. So I always reflect on that. I think that was such a, a crucial moment in my life that changed the trajectory of essentially where we are right now. I think there's two, there's two parts to that. One part is every now and then you become the little kid looking at the boxing club and you still make the same decision. Well, it didn't kill me then. It's probably mm. not going to kill me now. That's one thing. And then the se- second thing is you, I think boxing does a couple of things. Obviously the discipline of training and all of, all of that stuff. And it, res- it builds your resistance to pain physically, mentally, emotionally. I do think there's something built within men where if you get physically outpunched in the face, it breaks you down in a different way that, that no other way does, anything else does. Um, but the other thing that boxing does is it, it builds your resistance to failure because you're failing every single training session. You're physically breaking down. I cannot do any more press-ups. I cannot throw any more punches. I cannot skip any more. I cannot run any faster. So you're failing on a physical level, mm. but then on a mental level, you get people that come in, they run rings around you. I, I found my level when I got onto the England team and we got, went to go spar with Team GB. I'd never had a nosebleed my whole career. First punch the guy hits me with, my whole nose goes, and I've got these brand new white gloves. And my white gloves are covered in blood. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, where's he bleeding? Because I never, I never had a nosebleed ever. I was like, where's he bleeding? I don't think I hit him that hard. Where, where? And then I realized it's coming from, from, from me, you know? And again, just resistance to failure. It's like, wow. And that was a level I couldn't, I couldn't surpass. That's where I found my, my top end of my potential for where I was in that moment. And along uh, on that route and on that journey to get there, there were so many failures or perceived failures. But I think boxing and any combat sport really just teaches you that failure is often not fatal. Actually, failure is just feedback. It's just data. And if you can take yourself out of if you can take your identity out of something not working and you can actually just look at the information and go, all right, that's why I didn't win. This is what I could do next time. So I think boxing does a really good, it's the, because if you think about fear and failure, fear and failure, fear is the future. What is going to happen? Failure is this has already happened. Holy shit. What does that mean about me? And what does it mean about me? And my self-worth me as an individual and the most successful people can manage fear and they also change their relationship with failure and they just move on really quick. And I think boxing is a, a great standpoint for that. Yeah, I think it also makes you realize and believe that nobody is coming to save you. 
And when it comes to building a successful business, successful life, whatever that is, like, yes, you can rely on people in your boardroom to your left and right. But one of the most important people you need to rely on is, your, is yourself. And all the training when you're hitting the roads, you're doing your miles, you're going to the gym on your own and just doing double sessions a day, training all weekend when your friends are doing X, Y, and Z. I think that also builds confidence in setting boundaries, putting yourself first and not seeking pleasure. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest defaults and I suppose biggest problems for a lot of men these days is the constant pursuit of pleasure and instant gratification. And I think if you can ingrain that in your overall abilities and your identity from a very, very young age, from 16, 17 years old, saying no to socializing, saying no to going out with your friends, that really, really, really does something when you get into your 20s and you get into your 30s. Because if you're always operating from a place of making decisions where you want to get to where you want to be, but your actions aren't in line with your words, and those actions for where you need to be are only 60% of the time, even 50, 40, 30% for a lot of people, you're never going to get anywhere you want to go. But I think that's because a lot of people say they want certain things because they've had their head turned. Mm. A lot of people will say, yeah, I want to build this sort of business or I want to go and do this or I, I want to go and compete. They'll say that they, they want these various different things, but deep down they don't want it enough. And there's two parts of that. Part of that might be a belief issue. I don't mm. believe that I'm worthy of it. I don't believe in my ability to do that. So again, that impacts their ability to want it. Or sometimes they're just not being authentic because they don't know yeah. who they are. And you have to go into the depths of your identity and where that comes from and what drives that to really understand that. And it's a constant iteration. You never completed it. I think I've had enough identity shifts throughout my life now as a, a number of different things as a fighter, software sales guy, uh, as just a, an individual coach to now leading a coaching organization to football referee, failed technology entrepreneur. Like you, I've, I've been through a various number of different identity shifts and, mm. and it's never done. There's always going to be something else that happens. You came here as a single man. <laughs> now you got Laura. Yeah. Right. So there's an identity shift that happens in that, the way that you think, feel, perform, behave. Mm. It's always happening, but it's understanding mm. that if you can be truly authentic and genuinely ask yourself, do you really want these things? Do you actually want that? That is powerful because I think a lot of, people and including myself there was a moment in time in the past where the things that i perceived and wanted in the future it was operating out of a place of lack of awareness and maybe operating from a place of insecurity i think i need these things to feel a specific way mm. but they never actually fill the void they fill a short term maybe perhaps or if anything they actually just distract you during the moment of the chaos and the pain and the challenge trying to create ultimate championship in the areas that you want to have success in and then eventually you achieve success in those areas and you realize the distraction isn't here anymore. I still feel the exact same way. That's why Steve Jobs says the journey is the reward. Mm, 100%. And I find that, and I've spoken to my mentors who have done really, really big things. And whenever I say to them, yeah, but you know, I'm thinking about getting my thing as a, as a, a reward. So for, for us selling yesterday, I, I love, I'm not a big car guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm never really going to have a Lamborghini or Ferrari or any of those things, but I do love American muscle cars. Yeah. And uh, when I was a kid, uh, I used to watch Transformers. So what was that? It was a Camaro, Bumblebee. Uh, and, and, you know, all of the, the Need for Speed games, the Fast and Furious films, loved American muscle cars. So for me, I kept saying to my mentors, yeah, but when I get here, that's when I want to go get the muscle car. When I get here, yeah. when I get here, when I get here, when I get here. And, and they said to me, Kieran, mate, it doesn't work when you do it like that. Mm. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, you're aiming at the destination. If you want the car and you can get it now, get it now. Don't do the reward thing. Don't do the... Mm. Yeah, but then when you get here, then you'll get it. Because what will happen is you will just 
it'll feel good for about two, three weeks. And then it's like, oh shit, now what? Whereas if you have the means to go and get the things and you've worked towards them, when actually you're falling in love with the journey and it's the journey you need to learn to fall in love with, not necessarily, don't get me wrong, the destinations, the achievements, all of the goals that you set and achieve them, it's good fun, but it's, it's the journey en route to those things. And when I learned that, you kind of, everything shifts because of, of course, you know, we've got at TMP, we've got a budget, right? We know, okay, by Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, here, if we remove all of the, the coaching outcomes and transformations from it, from a financial perspective, we know here are the milestones to know that we're moving towards our goals from a revenue perspective, from a profitability perspective, and the, and the client numbers and all those wonderful things. But the happiness, sure, you get a short-term happiness when you see the spreadsheet and you're like, all right, I hit my goals, cool. But it's learning, okay, well, what is, what is the actual journey to get to the number on the spreadsheet? And that's the bit that you've got to fall in love with. And if you don't love what you're doing, if you don't love the mechanism in order to get there, you're never going to be able to stick it. I think too many people are in online coaching um, because they want the money, not because they enjoy the mechanism of online coaching. They don't enjoy building systems. They don't enjoy marketing themselves online. They don't enjoy coaching people via WhatsApp or via Loom or however that they do it. They don't enjoy those processes. So when you don't love what you're doing or the way in which you're doing it, then it gets really, really fucking hard. I love coaching. I could sit all day long just doing one-to-ones, one after the other, after the other, after the other. It, it doesn't tire me. I love that. I love coaching the team. I love teaching them. I love being creative. I love trying to think, how can we bring this to the world faster in a much more powerful and effective way? So because I'm solving puzzles that I enjoy, it's not work. And the journey is a lot more enjoyable versus looking at a binary. Did I hit X or Y or Z numerical outcome? Thus, I must reward myself with a thing or an experience. Thus, I am successful. That doesn't work. That's bullshit. You've got to fall in love with the journey. I 100% agree. It's the exploration of what's truly possible and operating from a place of just curiosity, whether that's through your own personal development. I get great, I suppose, encouragement and excitement from, yes, helping people and helping them change. And we're helping individuals overcome things that deep down our younger selves struggled with. And because we become master in certain areas, not all areas, but we're able to almost lead the way to certain individuals. And that's so fulfilling and empowering to say, I've been through that. I have the key to the door in order for you to be able to get out of here right now and go to that next stage of growth and character building as well. So from a personal perspective, apart from just coaching everyone else, I just absolutely fall in love with the exploration of developing character Mm. and your traits as an individual, whether that's becoming a more effective communicator, a better speaker, a better supporter, a better leader. The word character, I love the word character. Because when I think of character, life is like the video game you'll never complete. So if it's going to be the video game you never complete, until you're dead, but until, once you're dead, I guess it doesn't really matter then. Mm. Um, but until that point, it's like, well, what character do I want to build into the world? What little avatar do I want to create? And Jim Carrey said it really well. He said, um, depressed is, is just deep rest. Your body and mind has said, fuck you. I'm fed up of playing the character in this game of reality and I'm done. And I having experienced depression, that was so true. I was so stuck in the past. Just what have I done? How have I led myself here? Look at all of this evidence for failure. Look at all, all of this evidence that I'm not enough. But when we look at character development and a lot of the work we do at TMP, once we shift the emotional bullshit, shifting, okay, well, what is the fear of failure or the self-doubt or the insecurity or the fear, all the various different emotions. And once we've zoomed out, because when, when, when in doubt, zoom out, and we've got that 50,000 foot view, that is where we almost go, right, if he was a sculpture, how would we build that sculpture? If we take a lump of clay, how are we going to, sculpt that from a mental and emotional leadership business everything what is the character you need to be to show up and and, and do that and then what parts do we need to just chisel off or polish mm. and, and work through so i love the word character because that's how i think yeah and i think it's also being able to have 
greater optimism when you're trying to develop a greater level of character or completely just shift direction entirely. Like a lot of the people that will come to work with us or work with you, a lot of them will operate from a place of, this is just the way I was born. Nothing can essentially change. And that's literally just a hardware narrative that they've been repeating to themselves consciously or subconsciously for years and years and years and years on end. And all it is, is reducing or removing that hardwire and operating from greater optimism. Optimism is there's a way out here. Mm. <laughs> Things can change for the better. That's it. Let's go a little deeper into our characters. Let's mm. have a bit of fun. So often people will, will look at us and I think, yeah, but they've got it nailed. Or they'll think, oh, they, they just, they, they don't struggle with anything now because they've done the, the, the work. But that's not true. Um, if it was going to look at my character, I've got some areas of the sorts of strengths, but I've actually got areas that are lots of weaknesses for me, personal relationships, as I've, I've spoken to you about. Mm. It's something that I find really difficult, being able to have a partner or date for a number of different reasons. There's the surface level bullshit, which is inherently true, but it's, it's, there's, it's also an excuse sometimes, which is I'm busy, mm. I'm focused on TMP, I'm building all of my stuff and I'm laser focused. But the other part is emotional volatility in personal relationships. And I find that hard. I feel emotional conflict very hard. So it distracts me from TMP when I spend so much happiness and, and joy and infinite flow in there. Well, when I experience emotional conflict in a personal relationship, well, guess what? I run back to my safe place because that keeps me happy. And it's like, why would I do that? So that's an area that if I was going to look at my character right now, I would say that's a weakness. My ability to connect with a a partner and that's really where a lot of the work that I need to go and do when I meet the right person and then we go and explore that that's mm -hmm. what needs to happen for me where does Lee hand what part of his character does he need to work I can relate massively to that and I think it's when we're looking after ourselves and we're looking after business and all of those things we've got complete control over that if we don't like something change it we need to find a new direction change it and you build up so much confidence in yourself in those areas because you've been doing it so long the one area where I had no confidence in where maybe I would procrastinate or push things off or have no awareness around why am I avoiding? Why am I retreating? Why is this conflict repeating time and time again was personal relationships. And personal relationships is 100% the greatest area in my life and has been where it is the most emotional volatility. I'm completely neutral to business. Everything else, I'm just completely neutral. It's just over my head. But when you're in an actual intimate relationship with someone where you care for them, you love them, you maybe want to spend the rest of your life with them, it's a completely shift in dialogue. Mm. It's a completely shift in overall response because controlling your own emotions is really, really difficult, but you can't control someone else and you certainly can't control someone else's emotions. So you have to be willing to be vulnerable in those environments to get hurt, to be let down, but also potentially have those personal relationships hinder your growth when it comes to the mission you want to achieve in life or business. That's what I actually once taught. And from being in my current relationship now with Laura for the guts of nearly last year and a half, two years, there's been a huge growth, but there's been immense challenges. And all the previous relationships I've had up until Laura, they all had a repeated story where I would look for almost a perfect relationship where I wouldn't take ownership or responsibility in certain situations and essentially play the victim. And some people might be listening and saying, who might know me? Like, Lee played a victim? Mm. Like, Lee doesn't do that in business. Lee doesn't do that in life. It's confidence, conviction. But one area where I was a complete beginner was personal relationships. And in order for me to be able to get better in those areas, it came from doing therapy and identifying more of these things actually happening, taking full ownership or responsibility that if I'm feeling a certain way, nine times out of 10, it has nothing to do with the other person. 
it's a reflection of your own insecurities and what's going on in this moment in time. So it's been definitely a big, huge growth and learning area for my personal relationships, especially specifically with Laura. Like we've done couples therapy. It was absolutely incredible. I think a lot of people have a misconception that when it comes to having a very fulfilling, successful relationship, they look at the photos on social media. They look at all these things like those guys never have challenges. It is just so easy for them. I need to find the one, the special someone doesn't exist. Nothing in life worth having comes without trying to improve it. Fucking work. Work hard. And it comes back to the ethos and needing life, not leaving life to chance. I don't leave my business to chance. I don't leave my own happiness to chance. I don't leave my own physical or mental conditioning to chance. I don't leave my relationships to chance. So we're just consistently, willingly to lean into those things that are really, really uncomfortable and identify, right, let's work at a team as a team here. How can we overcome these situations. And if one of us isn't happy with the direction of where this relationship is going right now, instead of burning all the bridges and the boat, how can we work together effectively, remove our emotions and solve this problem together? And that's relationships at the end of the day. Like they are difficult. They will take a lot of emotional bandwidth, mental bandwidth, but it's always worth it in the end when you, when you do find someone that you really, really do cherish and you want to spend, you know, the rest of your life with. Mm. So what does Lee Hand find hard today? My leg session this morning, <laughs> now that we're dieting the last three, four weeks again. But apart from that, what did I find difficult today? You're putting me in the spot here. Mm. Well, <laughs> reason being is that, and even if it's not in the last 24 hours, but even the last two, three, four weeks, people assume when they look up to people, they don't struggle with anything. Mm. Everything's easy for them. But so what means- do I struggle with right now? Get inside my own head a lot. Mm. Catastrophize a lot. Worry. Get overwhelmed sometimes. I feel like I'm threatened sometimes in certain situations. I feel all these all the time. Mm. Well, that's in, in business, but it's a different response in business. Mm-hmm. But then like personal relationships, it's, a, it's something I'm still learning and trying, trying to master. And even from like a business perspective, don't get me wrong, there's still lots of days and weeks where I worry. I think about things. I remember when I first came to Dubai, I didn't think I was going to last in Dubai. Mm. <laughs> I remember my mom was breaking down, crying at the airport. And I was like, I'll be back in three months. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't three months yeah. but I thought maybe that was the situation there was many times when I first came here within the first year that I said to myself will I go home is this working out right now things are getting really really challenging right now but then it comes back to just having pure bravery and conviction in yourself that when you have a willingness just to work and move forward and back yourself things will 100% work out I'm a true believer in that mm. I truly believe anyone is capable of achieving every, any level of success they want in any single area of their lives true championship but it's being optimistic. Mm. So think about the worry, the overthinking, the, the stuff that you experience now, because it's easy for us to go back with what we used to struggle with, but it's harder for us to share what we have going on right now. Mm. People listening to this, we're going, oh, if he still experiences that right now, and that's where he is, for those that look up to you, whether that's your clients in, in both in Into Life or in AN, but there'll be some things that you do, habits, thoughts, feelings, behaviors, that enable you to work with that anyway. What is it that you do? To be able to work with that stuff. Yeah. To be able to almost turn those problems or weaknesses into something that I'm able to manage long-term. Mm-hmm. Looking after myself, both body and mind. Mm-hmm. Having relentless high standards that don't move for anything in between. And that's difficult because taking action the things that you know you need to do, but really deep down you don't want to do because you're in conflict or you're dealing with all of these things and still doing it. That's, that's difficult. But being relentless, taking, taking action on those things, having your standards high, looking after your body, looking after your mind, doing therapy, having 
supportive people in your environment is crucial as well. Being vulnerable and open. Things that two years ago when we met, vulnerability, that's not in my vocabulary. Honestly, if you guys had met Lee two years ago, like it, it's almost surreal that we're having this conversation because everything's fine. Everything's great. Everything's amazing. I'm amazing. I feel amazing. My business is going amazing. My training's going up. Everything was just like, everything is perfect. And I think that's why back then I was like, I'm going to struggle to connect with this guy because mm. it's more underneath it. To see you now, we're on a podcast and going, yeah, I still feel like worry. I still feel stress. The amount of work that's taken for you to get there. And that character, when we talk about character, character development for you to come on this podcast and talk about these things, mm. it's incredible. And that point you mentioned there about support network. I look at support network in three layers and, and here are the three layers. Number one, it's understanding that you need sparring partners. You need people around you that will challenge you. People that, that they're not miles ahead, but they're also not miles behind. They're in a similar spot. So you can challenge each other and, and, and call each other out, hold up mirrors to each other's blind spots, but also encourage each other, help each other. That's really important. From a mentee perspective, you need somebody to mentor because you're passing on your learnings to reinforce the things that you've learned down to somebody that's perhaps a little bit behind you insofar as their experience in your domain. And then finally, we've got the boardroom. We need mentors that no matter what happens, you can pick up the phone and you can call in and say, you know what? I don't know what to do here. I'm stuck. And that point you mentioned about vulnerability and learning to be vulnerable and share those. Because if you don't communicate those, no one knows how you're feeling. No one can really help you. Mm. You're always stuck in your own little box. So having somebody you can go, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do here. Or I'm not sure. I don't know where I'm going. What do I do? If you was in my shoes, what would you do? And having an experienced operator to say, breathe, try this. We'll save you so, so, so much time. But that support network is really important. And having those operators at all, at all stages, mentor, mentee, and sparring partners, that'll accelerate your growth so much faster than anything else. Mm, and two years ago, I didn't really have any of those. Mm. Like I had uh, a mentor that were much, much closer now. But when I first moved to Dubai, I didn't really, we spoke about that. I remember one of our first conversations, you said to me, who was your hero, Lee? Who did you look up to? And I was like, I can't answer that. Because mm. I can't say that I had someone to follow the path along or to turn to or to turn to in terms of like a hero or aspirational identity don't get me wrong i have people in my life that I look up to mm. from a training perspective i definitely wouldn't have gotten the training if it wasn't for my dad because he's absolutely relentless probably get a lot of my standards and my discipline from seeing that growing up plus the overall boxing as well but i truly believe having all those people in your corner is crucial for your overall growth and your support and people definitely need to put a lot more attention into making sure that they have those people in those environments that are willing to support them and also challenge them in a very, very healthy way, like the conversations that we've had. But back to your question around how to deal with all of those things, it's, it's literally just, you know what, just embracing uncertainty and allowing things to go wrong if they go wrong. Like think back to all of the times, if you're listening to this right now, where you worried about things really, really going bad. And I don't mean something small, I mean like, absolutely life-changing for most individuals they can't even recall one situation like that and like we are all such a small speck in the universe mm -hmm. when we're trying to achieve all these things and we've got mentors or people looking up to us and cl clients that we're helping we can sometimes let that ego get the best of us and be like i'm really going to leave a statement here mm -hmm. i'm going to change the world in reality for probably 99 percent of us Nobody is going to remember us when, when we're gone. And that's empowering in my perspective, because it's like all the things that we catastrophize right now in this moment in time. It won't matter. Inconveniences. Mm. And that's so like inconveniences. Anytime I'm going through really, really challenging stuff, I'm like, Lee, 
in the grand scheme of things right now, based upon where you're going to be and even in the past or things that have happened over the last hundred years, is this a catastrophe or is this an inconvenience? And that really brings me down a couple of pegs. I'm like, okay, Lee, get it together. Let's get after this. That helps with overall confidence moving forward. I was asked the question, what did you expect? That just, that question just grounds me. It makes me laugh. It makes me go, what did you expect? Did you think this was going to be easy? It's like, did you expect not to be challenges? Did you expect it was just going to be rosy? Yeah, just nice, easy ascension, straight to wherever it is we want to go. No, that's not how it works. You fall in love with that though. Yeah. When you do that enough time, you fall in love with the problems. You fall in love with the challenges. Yeah. That's what makes you feel alive. Otherwise, we'll get bored. Yes. <laughs> so I ask this, every guest this question. Forget us as an organisation, but what does the phrase total mental performance mean to you? If you had it, how would you know? Having complete control and mastery over my own script and pen to life to be able to write any next chapter I want and go wherever I want in life and achieve ultimate success in anything I want to embark upon. If you had ultimate success, how would you know? Getting to a place where maybe you always once perceived you wanted to go to and then getting to that moment in time and realizing, do you know what? I have everything and always had everything I needed in life to feel a specific way or to feel any way. Every person that's listening to this right now, and I know you would agree with me as well, we sometimes think that we need to go out and achieve something to be something, or we need to do something to, or achieve something to feel a certain way or to prove to ourselves that we are 100% capable of doing X, Y, and Z. Everyone listening to this right now, you're, you've already have everything you already need and have. It's just having complete conviction and confidence in yourself to be able to go out and get after whatever it is you want. It could be running a business. It could be starting a family. Everyone's idea of ultimate success is completely dependent on them. You already have it. You're already enough. You're always enough. Mm. And everything else is a bonus. Exactly. Mr. Lee Han, thank you so much. I deeply, deeply enjoyed that conversation. Where can everyone find you? You can find me on Instagram at the handle Mr. Lee Hand, And that's it. Okay, Mr. Lee Han. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And all that. as always, guys, share, share this podcast around. Uh, if you've got any feedback, drop it into the comments uh, on Instagram. And uh, please do share your stories. We do love putting these messages out into the world. Lee, mate, big love. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Karen. Really, really enjoyed this. Team, if you love this podcast, please do share it. Please put it out to the world. We're trying to bring these resources to everyone within coaching entrepreneurship. As you know, it's hard, it's difficult, it can be lonely. And at the end of the day, you start to realize when you see these people that they have experienced the same mindset puzzles as you. Differences, they didn't procrastinate and just sit on them. So please leave any comments, give us some feedback, share it to your stories. Big love, and I'll see you all in the next episode.